What's going on? It's another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by the lovely Blue Wire Hustle. You know it's me, Jevin LeFave. You know you can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LeFave. On Twitter at Jevin LeFave. You can find everything for the show at Left Side Heavy underscore on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Don't be afraid to leave a rating and review as well on Apple Podcasts. It helps grow the show. On this episode, I am bringing on a big TikToker, not necessarily the Addison Ray type, but he is Alex Day from No Huddle Sports. He gives some would you rather's on his TikTok page and Instagram. It's a uh, it's honestly a very very awesome page to say nonetheless. He's a very awesome guy, great charisma. I love his takes. He is a New Yorker, so we talk about his Rangers, his Knicks, and we talk the Shifley suspension, we talk about his Rangers past season, we talk all NHL playoffs, how we think it will ultimately end, and then we do pretty much the same thing for the NBA playoffs. We talk about his Knicks, we talk about the Luka takeover, the Trey takeover, the Suns becoming a wagon and ultimately we kind of shift towards who will ultimately be raising the trophy in the end so it is a great great episode great fully packed episode we move pretty quick so i hope you guys enjoy the listen he was a great conversation and be sure to give him a follow on instagram at no huddle underscore sports and on tiktok at no huddle sports so he is this is a great episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Leave a rating and review. And Tom, bring us in. Episode 39 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LeFave. You know where to follow me on social media. Today, I am bringing on a special guest connected through the old Instagram direct messages. He is a big, big TikToker, but he's not the typical Addison Ray doing the TikTok dances. It's actually one of the enjoyable accounts where he presents some of his hot takes and some would-you-rathers while he cracks open a nice crisp Bud Light. I welcome on Alex Day from No Huddle Sports. Thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Jevin. Yeah, no, uh, no, no Addison Ray dances today. Uh, <laughs> you know, we all need to find a medium to, uh, to talk our talk. And for me, that's TikTok. So you'll, you won't find me dancing anytime soon. <laughs> when did No Huddle Sports begin? And when did you gravitate towards the TikTok platform? Because it's pretty, I love your content and what you put out. It's actually fascinating. It's kind of what I look forward to on my For You page. So I actually started it last August. I was in sports media for a bunch of years and I got furloughed just like a lot of other people. COVID happened and they lost their job. And while I was just doing, you know, kind of more ordinary job, like not so much what I was going to in my career, um, I started No Huddle Sports. And, you know, I knew I had some experience, but also how the landscape was shifting and I started creating these videos and at first it was only for Instagram but then one of my friends said hey you know I think what you're doing is great but it would actually be doing a lot better on TikTok because stuff was just I knew it was good but it wasn't really growing I started putting it on TikTok and things really took off I remember because I kind of rebranded a little bit and mid-January yeah. uh, mid-January I had 400 followers on there and now about I don't know what are we five months later a little bit less than a little bit less than that actually um I'm at over 45,000. So things have escalated rather <laughs> quickly. Um, but it's been a cool platform for, for, you know, just sports content that I feel like I would want to watch. And I think a lot of people feel the same that, you know, it's just, I try to recreate conversations that people, you know, frankly, also a lot of guys have on a Friday night, having a beer, talking sports, you know, maybe saying one or two things that ruffle some yeah. feathers and uh, <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah, so what's that kind of the process like on a day-to-day basis on making the content? Like, how do you come up with the ideas and some of the takes that you 
make? Like, how does it kind of get put together? Yeah, so I started No Huddle with a good buddy of mine, Jacob. Uh, we've been close friends since, uh, I don't know, first, second grade, second grade, actually. And, yeah. you know, this was something him and I really kind of do together. And about maybe once every other week, once every third week, obviously, it's been weird with, um, with COVID. And we're both kind of a little bit all over the place. Um, you know, we'll get together and we'll record a bunch, like a bunch in one night. And him and I will talk about the topics beforehand. Um, but he never tells me, you know, the, the questions he says are always top of the head. Well, he writes them before, but for me, they're top of the head. Never. I never know what they are before. Um, and it's just, it's just spontaneous. And it's the first thing that comes to my mind. And, you know, I think that's kind of been a difference a little bit because a lot of times there's an over prep, you know, people can over prepare, yeah. especially at the video. Um, exactly. And that comes through. And I think a lot of times he asked me these questions and it's, it is my instinctual, like just gut answer. Um, and there are even some times where I watch it and I go back and I think about it a little bit longer and I'm like, I'm not even a hundred percent. I agree with what I said, but because there's no preparation, it's just, yeah. it's just right off the bat. Um, you know, I that's think almost that through. So. Yeah. That's almost like you definitely know that he believes that to an extent because it's like right off the top it's like okay yeah like this is what i kind of feel sometimes recency bias plays into it a bit i could imagine but most of the time it's like okay no that's like genuinely how he feels about this specific take or would you rather whatever it is so it's kind of cool that way yeah i i appreciate it it's um you know, I, I'll, I'll definitely cheat a little bit. Like I'll uh, maybe, maybe drink for a couple extra seconds to buy myself, uh, you know, buy myself a couple seconds to think about it, but it's, it's off, it's off the top of the head. And, and, you know, just like how you and I are talking right now, I think that's a way more fun way to talk about sports than, yeah. you know, it, we're talking about sports. We're not talking about, you know, neuroscience yeah. and politics exactly. and, you know, not anything, <laughs> not anything that matters. Yeah. If you bring up politics, I'm probably walking out of the room. I have no input on anything. Exactly. It's just exactly. like, yeah, this is just press record and just shoot the shit like you're not recording. And that's the best content you can put out. Right. Oh, we can curse on here. Perfect. Perfect. I don't know. Yeah. You have a, you have a, you have a nice sponsor and stuff. I don't know yeah. the rules. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not quite there yet. I'm just doing this for fun because I'm trying to go into sports media as well. So which kind of segues me into my next question before we kind of get into the recent happenings in the world of sports, what did you do for sports media? Yeah. So I went to, I went to journalism school. I went to Elon university in North Carolina. Um, and I was there for four years. Uh, I got a job after school, uh, was at Duke university for one year, kind of stayed close by. It was, it was fun. It was, it was almost like a fifth year in a way um, because yeah. I was close to Elon, but then I was working during the days and um, I did digital media and combinate a little bit of everything, production, a little on camera, a lot of writing, a lot of editing for Duke. Uh, I was doing Duke baseball, basketball, football, and depending on how big the sport was, that was how much I would do. So, you know, I did a lot of Duke football, Duke baseball, and then during basketball game season, it was, a little bit all hands on deck. So I was there for a year and then I got a very similar job with the Yankees and I was a digital producer for the Yankees for three and a half years. I uh, would come up with different features, interview players, um, edit, shoot, write, but pretty much all behind the camera. And I went to school doing more journalism, doing more on camera reporting and stuff. So um, it's something that I wanted to pick back up because that's really what got me into it in the first place. Um, either like doing reporting or writing, but I, I sort of found myself in the world of production. So I decided to, you know, that, that was, I, I thought that would be my end. Um, and in many ways it has been an end, but in other ways, trying to switch over now has been tougher, which is why I started no huddle. But, uh, you know, I was very thankful for the time with the Yankees and it was an unbelievable experience. I grew up in New York. I played baseball in college. Um, so, uh, you know, I grew up a huge Yankees fan, so yeah. it was a great, a great couple of years, and uh, definitely thankful. That's awesome. Uh, where do you want to take No Huddle? Like, what kind of level do you want to take it to? Is it right now you're just enjoying the moment, or do you kind of have a goal in mind of where you want to take it? 
Yeah, I, I think the next step is probably, uh, I mean, I'm going to look into starting a YouTube channel because I have a lot of fun ideas that I would love to do, but maybe TikTok or, or Instagram is not the right platform. Um, it's obviously very time consuming and uh, it's, it's hard to get off the ground. So I think that's the next thing. And, you know, I would love to just, you know, I, the way I've thought about it is I'm just going to build it up and then where from there, you know, it'll take care of itself. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of just trying to consistently, like my goals right now are more how, like how many videos I can get out a week. Um, so, yeah. you know, the long-term goals, I, I have left a little bit up in the air um, because in many ways I'm using it as an avenue to, you know, maybe I get hired by a, a different company or it's a way to kind of put myself on the map. Maybe not just the, the brand of no huddle sports. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I really like what you're doing and I can really see it taking off. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean like 45,000 followers isn't, is no joke, right? Like you, you got a lot of uh, loyal consumers of your content and that goes a long way, but uh, we'll go into the world of sports Let's and hit it. what's happening. Where do you want to start in the hoops or puck? Uh, let's talk a little puck, huh? Puck. All right. Sounds yeah. good. Uh, what division do you want to start? Do you want to move east to west, west to east, north to south? So I'm Maybe. a huge Rangers fan, so I would love to go east to west. You know, I know east you got west? that. You have those Vancouver fans, but yeah. we can uh, we could start them off with a little east no, coast bias. Yeah, I'm everywhere, <laughs> man. So let me uh, let me hear your rundown of the overall Rangers season because it started off pretty slow. With you know, Mika didn't get right on on the right foot like he ended last year. He was like he had the highest goals per game last year and then he kind of started off slow Panarin took that leave of absence due to family reasons and then they got on a real hot streak you know Mika was getting like 12 points in two games against the Flyers Lafreniere was finally getting hot and then Tom Wilson happens near the end of the season brawl breaks out Panarin season and injury they'd miss the playoffs very up and down season for the Rangers. I don't think I've ever seen a more up and down season for a team in one year. But give me your overall look on this past season for the Rangers. So I think it's important to remember kind of even before the season started and, and the Rangers famously sent out their letter to their fans a couple of years ago that they were going to be rebuilding. They're going to trade away their core step on McDonough, Zuccarello, Henrik, that one after another, they would be following each other at the door the Rangers felt that they were on a timeline of, you know, we were a couple years away, obviously some ping pong balls bounce our way. We get Kako, we get Lafreniere things, you know, it's definitely some puck luck, as they say, uh, with that in mind, the Rangers built their team in a certain way where they focus on skill because they thought we could develop skill, add some muscle later. And that worked last year. I think they, the Rangers overperformed outperformed last year. And then they got a reality check against Carolina in the bubble last year. That was bad. This year, it was kind of more of the same. And a lot of the skilled players had a little bit more trouble because if you don't have the muscle, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching the playoffs right now and I'm thinking, shit, the Rangers would have, the Rangers would have trouble with most of these teams, not because they're not just as skilled. I think the Rangers are actually maybe even more skilled than even some of the teams remaining. They're not, they're not a hockey team. You know, they, they have a lot of guys who are, who are the same. It was a lot of drama this year, one after another. Mika had COVID to begin the year. Panarin gets, you know, the slander in, in Russia. They make up that story about him. He takes a leave of absence. Tony D'Angelo, who right before the season, we paid uh, $4.5 million a year to. Uh, you know, he's obviously a lightning rod. He, he puts his foot in his mouth a lot, whether that's about hockey or, uh, you know, he's been suspended for some racial things in the past. He's, you know, said some kind of crazy things after the stuff with the Capitol. Final straw, Alexi uh, Alexander Georgiev punches him in the face because, you know, they get off the ice and D'Angelo makes a comment to him about a, about a goal he let up late, which is, you know, you played puck. Uh, you don't do that. You know, you don't do no, that yeah. to you, you don't do that to your goalie. So Georgiev punches him in the face. The players, the organization sides with D'Angelo. You know, we know how that uh, sorry side with Georgiev. We know how that went down. But one after another, just drama, drama, drama. Um, and then culminating with Tom Wilson and that ended up being kind of the final straw and James Dolan, the owner realizing like, 
hey, we have too much skill to be missing the playoffs. We have an, you know, an MVP fi- finalist, well, last year, not this year, and, and, and Bred, and we have Mika, and, you know, one of the best defensemen in the league, and, and Foxy, and a good good goalie in Igor. So, yeah, it was a weird year, and I'm, it's going to be one of the strangest off seasons too because they have a lot of decisions to make. That was a little yeah. long-winded, but I get passionate about my Rangers. And no. there was so much drama this year. I, yeah. It still doesn't really feel real. It felt like a Knicks season, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> no, because, yeah, there was just so much media around them. And I honestly think, all in all, it would, the team handled it pretty well. Like, Dolan, obviously, the comments made towards the Department of Player Safety regarding – Panarin getting hurt with the Tom Wilson situation. Boom, cut ties, start from scratch. Let's just get this way. They kind of remind me of the Steelers. It was like, you want to cause drama, get the hell out of our organization. Like, we're trying to keep it top tier. We don't want too much around us. But I like what the Rangers are doing, though. Obviously, like you brought up, some lottery ping pong balls went their way with getting Laffy and Kako and stuff. But I mean, Mika's proven that he's an elite goal scorer. Everyone knows about Panarin. So, and they got two confident goalies in Gorgiev and Shesterkin. We'll see which one goes to Seattle because I'm assuming one of them might go. But, yeah, and then Tony D'Angelo, they're like, we'll like, buy out. We'll retain some salary to get rid of him. He doesn't want to trade. Rangers don't want to bring him back. They're filtering out guys who they don't want. And they're keeping their roster as high of a morale as possible. And I think that's the only thing you can do to have some sort of success in a non-playoff year. Yeah, they're going to have some tough decisions to make because they have a yeah. lot of guys. They have they have a lot of top six type of skill forwards, um, and there are only six spots for those. And frankly, you need to have some, some strength in the top six. So they'll have some yeah. tough decisions to make. Igor isn't going anywhere. Um you know, we'll see if a team takes a chance on D'Angelo. I actually heard that, um, you know, teams wanted him. He wanted to get traded. The Rangers wanted to trade him, wanted to trade him. Teams didn't want to deal with the PR nightmare of, of all the shit that he caused this year. And uh, that, spe- that speaks volumes in yeah. you know, a league where, you know, a lot a lot flies. But, you know, you have a couple, a couple too many incidents and, you know, your value goes down. Exactly. Well, the NHL playoffs have been an absolute ride, especially in the Eastern Division with the Boston and Island with the Bruins and Islanders. Um, they each split at each one's home, so right now it's the best of three series. Going back to TD, what have been your like overall outlook on the entire series? Because it's been pretty back and forth, some key turnovers and stuff. But I mean. I feel like Boston's been the better team, but Islanders have been capitalizing on more of their chances. But what have, uh, what's been your opinion on the whole thing? Yeah, I, I think I, I think you very much hit it on the head where Boston passes the eye test more. You know, they look like the better squad. And, you know, Lou Lamorello, the GM of the Islanders, he was also the GM of the Devils back in the day. Um, yeah. And, and, his system, you now of course, you know he's not their coach, but his system and the players he gets, they clog the middle, and it, it's a brutal brand of hockey to watch because it just clogs the neutral zone. It's hard to get anything going, and it can really slow down. You know, I watched them slow down the Rangers all year. The Islanders, they they were our daddy this year, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think in some ways they're doing that to Boston, where they can they can slow down the skill of of Bergeron and Hall and and Marchand, and you know it goes on. So even if maybe they're not as talented of a team, you know, they're winning games. I have a question for you. Do you think Pasta has slept after missing that open net? No. Because that would, that would be keeping <laughs> me up at night. Yeah. I don't know if you are aware of um, Frankie Borelli, a part of Barcel Sports, but he's a huge Islanders fanatic. Of course. And he got a text from Matt Molson. Because he was a pretty good goal scorer in the NHL, and he was saying, he's like, I wouldn't sleep for days if I missed the opportunity that Pasta had. Mind you, Pasta's an elite goal scorer, so he probably has a short memory. Just get it out of your system. I was surprised he didn't even go out next shift and go bar down or something like that. But 
I mean, yeah, that's a huge, huge. I could play a huge role in the entire series. Like if Boston ends up losing and getting knocked out, that missed opportunity could play big because they ended up losing that game when they could have gone up three one in the series. And yeah, absolutely, a turning point. So, so yeah, it's gonna be crazy to see how that plays out. But uh, Coquitlam kid Matt Barzell mm-hmm. gets the game winning goal. Not a big deal. Not a big but, deal. <laughs> but who do you think comes out of the series? And do you think it goes the distance? Yeah, so I do think it goes the distance. Um, I, I I have gone back and forth with this, really, the whole series. I think it's this has been probably the most entertaining series, I, in my opinion. Um, maybe it's because I know these teams all too well and, and really hate both of them, I'll be honest with you. Uh, oh, I hate Boston. Yeah, you know, so I hate Boston mostly, mostly because of Marshan. Marshan has terrorized my life for the past decade, just an absolute nuisance. But you know, I'm going to go with the Isles because I think Isles. Yeah, and and frankly, I think you can't underestimate the importance of having a coach like Barry Trotz in the playoffs because yeah. Barry Trotz is he's a difference maker type of coach, and um, you know, not saying Bruce Cassidy isn't, but I just think that. Uh, you know, Barry Trotz is is proven, and even from when he took over the Islanders, what they did the year before he got there to to his first year, he makes a big difference, and I think he'll put them over the edge. I'm going to say Isles in seven. Yeah, I think I got Boston in seven, but if Isles take it, I'm genuinely not surprised, and I I'm, yeah. I'll be cheering for the Islanders. But yeah, this is the one that I can really see going both ways, and I wouldn't be surprised with either outcome. But moving to the Central Division, Carolina Tampa. Carolina was, um, you know, they clawed back to tie or to get within one game of the series, you know, stealing one at Tampa. And then they were up 4-2. And then the ultimate, or this was amongst the ultimate second period, the eight-goal second period near NHL record. But Tampa takes game 4-6-4 and takes a 3-1 series lead. I mean, Tampa, mind you, they are playing over the cap, but Jesus, they are an absolute juggernaut, and it's really hard to see them losing a seven-game series going forward. Yeah, I, I think this series is more about Tampa than it is Carolina. Carolina has impressed me tremendously the last two years. I mean, even what they did to my Rangers in the bubble, every time I watch them play this year, um, you know, I think Ajo and, and uh, what's the name? Uh, I Cannot say I'm picturing him, and I know how to say it. Spechnikov, thank you. Um, there you go. That's a that's a mouthful. Um, really impressive, but they're just not as good as Tampa Bay. They're not, and uh, you know, it's Tampa Bay is going to be tough tough to repeat again this year. I hate the rule that they could be over the cap. Um, you know, I I know it, they're it's by the rules, but it's just it, it bothers me. But you know. Again, Carolina, just a great team, but Tampa Bay, they just look different. They look they, yeah. the speed that they have, and, and it doesn't feel like Carolina really has a chance. Do you feel yeah. that? Yeah, I think Carolina, they need to play a style similar to the Islanders where they need to sit back, shut them down, and then counterattack. Yep, you know, clog the neutral they, zone. Yep. Yeah, clog the neutral zone, Get put pressure on them, like, even on the PK, as dangerous as that PK is, you can't let them have time to set up. You got to be breathing down their necks all game. Once they get a turnover, you got to counterattack, right? Because once you open things up, that's what Tampa wants you to do. They want you to open things up so because that's they open things up in that second period when they went up 4-2. And then next thing you know, three goals in like five minutes and – the tides are completely turned. So, yep. uh, yeah, I I think Tampa wins next game. I don't see them. I think they're going to go to the finals. And it's just it's hard to see them losing from here on out. It's going to be interesting. I think they're going to see either Colorado or Vegas because I think if Montreal closes it out tonight, I think Colorado Vegas is beating one of them. And then it's going to be a one hell of a cup final I'll tell you that for free, but yeah, I think Carolina needs to counterattack. They need to 
shut them down and then jump on as many chances as they can. But if you open things up, you're playing a dangerous game. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm going to say Tampa in six, uh, mostly the fact that Carolina has been great at home the last couple of years. Uh, got game five in Carolina tomorrow. They, I think they've shown a lot of heart and really yeah. in, in this core, like this, they, they, you can feel their energy, their chemistry. I think they get one more at home and then Tampa takes care of them in six. Yeah. I totally see that happening. I'll say uh, Tampa in five. I think they're just going to, I think they're yeah. going to win next yeah. game, but I think it's going to be a nail biter though. I think it's going to be like a one or two goal game. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a blowout, yeah. but moving on to the West Vegas, Colorado, Colorado absolutely thrashed Vegas game one, 7-1. Won a nail-biter with a questionable penalty by Riley Nash in game two. Definitely shouldn't have been a call, but we'll get to that in a bit. And then Vegas wins both at home, taking a commanding or winning a commanding uh, game four, 5-1 with a Marshall So hat-trick. But, yeah, overall thoughts on this series so far, it's I think this has been the best series because you got the two best teams in the league. They tied, That's, and yep. then Colorado just won in head-to-head matchups. But, I mean, like, tale of two tapes. I think this is going to be whoever the home team is is, like, the favorite. But, I mean, Jesus. Like, two beasts going at it. That's That's completely – I'm completely in agreement with you. Just – they, they look so different than pretty much every, uh, you know, Tampa Bay plays a little bit differently, but, and I'll put Tampa in the same category as them, but besides for Tampa, these two teams look so different than everyone else. It's just, yeah you know, you, you watch Montreal and you watch, uh, you know, you, you Boston and, and the Islanders, by the way, when I said that I've enjoyed watching Boston, the Islanders the most, I forget I, that was except for, uh, for, for the abs in Vegas. Yeah. Um, it's just you get the sense that whoever wins the series is going to win the cup. That's how I personally feel. I just think that, you know, it's been building for a while for Colorado Vegas, same thing where after their, you know, Cinderella season, they've been right there. Is there any indication for you that the winner of the series doesn't win the cup? I think, and I think either of these teams or maybe not, but definitely Vegas could, could play rough and tough with, with Tampa in a way that they might not like. Yeah. I, the way Tampa, uh, Tampa plays is they play very, their speed and skill team. Whereas Vegas can play fast. They're not as skilled, but they play heavier. And I don't think, I don't think Tampa can really play up to that. And even Colorado, I think they play heavy as well. Nathan McKinnon. One of the reasons why I think I'm going to take him over McDavid is because when he's not producing, he's doing other stuff. He's a bull out there. Like he, he's he fast. works in the corners. Yeah, yeah. you don't yeah, see guys he, like of his stature in the corners and in front of the net, and he does it all. Exactly. So that's why I think whatever team comes out of this series is winning the cup, because I think if I'm Tampa, if I had to pick a team to play, it would be Colorado. Colorado. Yep. Because I think they play more similar to them, and it won't be as much of a threat. Like I'd rather play in a lineup where I don't have to go against Ryan Reeves. Because if I get up five one, he's just gonna go after Nikita Kucherov and put him in a headlock like he did to Ryan Graves. So, yeah, man, it's just like this series has been absolutely unbelievable. And I think it's whoever the home team is, put money on it. But I mean. If I had to guess, I can see Vegas taking this in seven and stealing one in Colorado at some point, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm going to say uh, I, I agree with you. I'm going to say maybe Vegas in seven. I, I feel I don't feel confident about that at all, just because what you know, it's been such one, a do- it's been yeah. such a dogfight. Just yeah. you know, one minute you think that one you know really is has the upper hand, and then things change very quickly. So. Yeah. You know, I'll conservatively say Vegas in seven and whoever wins a series wins the cup. Yeah. And you got to think Vegas is at max capacity too. And they're one of the loudest arenas in the NHL. So obviously that played a part. Yeah. They played a part in game three and four. So one, one bounce can change the series is what it seemed like. Cause both teams really take momentum and run with it. But 
Uh, the last series, Montreal, Winnipeg. Montreal is up three nothing in the series, which, if I had to put money on it, no one expected. I've guessed Winnipeg in seven, and right now it's not looking. It's still possible, but it's not. I'm not looking confident on it. But one big thing from the series that we'll mainly talk about is Shifley suspended four games on his hit on Jake Evans. Evans was not sent to the hospital, but I think he had a pretty major concussion and he's went right back to his hotel room. But uh, I don't know if he caught the hit, but it was of course. first instinct. I was like, yo, he could be out for the playoffs. But then I looked at it and I'm like, the one problem I really found with it is that he never in went for the puck. If he was so focused on stopping the goal, then he would have tried to make a play on the stick a bit more. But it seemed like his only focus was running the guy lining over. Him lining him up. So overall input on the Shifley suspension. So us sports fans have a way of being very black and white. You know, you think this way or you think this way. Um, and in this instance, I, th- I think two things can be true. I think it is okay to say that was a dirty hit. That, that was not a legal hit. And it's okay to say that four, a four-game suspension is too many. Yeah, is, is way too many games. My first reaction was that didn't look like a hockey play. You know, the same thing you said. Yes, a hockey play, but the way he lined him up, the way, you know, I un- I understand his. It looked uh, unnecessary. It looked like unnecessary. It didn't need to happen. Right, and I know Evans's head is down, and there are people who are quick to say head on a swivel. I get all that. The intentions of that hit were, I, I think, indisputable. Um, you know, I've, I've seen the slow-mos, oh, his shoulder, it was elbow. Yeah. He was on the ground. He was off the ground. If you have to break it down like that, you know, we have an issue. If it was in my opinion, when I, after I saw it, I said that was illegal. He should be suspended. I'm going to say one or two games. I maybe closer to two, four game, four game sussy, tough break, tough break. And I actually very much liked the reaction of, uh, of, of his teammates saying that, uh, you know, if the NHL doesn't take care of it, we will. I just, yeah. I, I, I like that kind of bad blood and that kind of chatter. And of course it's the unspoken, unspoken part of hockey. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a dirty hit and I thought it was too much of a suspension. Yeah. I, my big thing was, I know Jake Evans you need to keep your head up. If you're, you did make a one check before he got the puck, but if you're going to circle the net, you got to keep your head up. But, I mean, Shifley, that was a play where if you're so focused on stopping a goal, then you would have made more play on trying to keep the puck out of the net. Because it's not like you're hitting him and he's literally right behind the net. He's coming out from underneath the goal line, tucking it in, and you're just going for the body. Like, that's not going to stop anything. The play is already going towards the net. So, I thought four games was too much. I think two three like max three max but i think two games was appropriate yeah but i mean i don't think i know shifley was in game one but montreal has still been taken care of uh winnipeg but it's amazing what a hot hot, they're just riding riding the hot the hot hand carry exactly again back in 2014-15 form but other than that, I hope Jake Evans is okay. It seems like he's recovering pretty well, but I don't think we'll be seeing him the rest of the playoffs. But yeah, this series, it's been pretty, uh, hasn't been the most exciting, but I was having this uh, conversation with my uncle who was on last episode. He says Montreal hasn't really been playing great, and I think I have to disagree. I think Montreal's been playing like great. If you're looking at the expectations they had going into the playoffs and the way they've taken care of Toronto, and Winnipeg especially. I know Toronto got dicey at moments, but, I mean, part of playing great is having a great goalie, and Carey Price is averaging, like, 1.7 goals against and obviously over a 920 save percentage, I assume. But, I mean, Montreal has been doing what they need to do, and they, I think they've been great shutting down and capitalizing on chances, so... I really hope they go far because I'm a secondary Habs fan. Canucks first, Habs second. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they go. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think this postseason, the, the, these playoffs have, have been a success for Montreal, even no matter yeah. what happens after this, if and when they close out Winnipeg. Um, I mean, I didn't expect them to go on this run. Yeah. Part of I like what you said, part of playing well is having a hot goalie. And, you know, I, I watched my Rangers for so many years get carried by King Henrik when they had no business being there. Really, truly no business. Um, so, you know, that's part of it. And, and I think I like, I get what your uncle's saying where they're not playing well, but I'll get what you're saying. Like they, they have a game plan and they're just playing that game plan to a T and they're clearly not like the most talented team, but uh, you know, they're, they're, they're playing well and they have a plan and, and they're executing. Yeah. He was saying like Habs aren't a great team. And I'm like, I know they're not a great team, but they're playing great. There's a difference. Yeah, I completely agree. So I completely agree. Yeah. You watch them yeah. all year. That doesn't look like a team who's they have beating no, Tampa Bay, but yeah, they have no business being in the position they are, but they're in it and they've done it. That's great to me. So, but as of right now, we are recording on Monday, June seventh, and it's two-two Islanders Bruins, just over halfway through the second, and the Jets Montreal game hasn't started yet, but. Is there anything else you want to touch on in terms of hockey? Oh, I have one more note. Um, the NHL draft lottery. Buffalo Sabres won the first overall pick, and Seattle swapped with Anaheim. Seattle getting the second overall, Anaheim getting the third, and then the rest is the same. Very boring draft lottery. Uh, sorry to Owen Powers for going to Buffalo. Brutal. I'd say I would say Jack Eichel is the only bright spot, but he's probably out. He's probably going to your Rangers, I assume. That's um, that's for a separate conversation, yeah. but uh, maybe. And, uh, and that's the only reason why I'm holding on to him in uh, my fantasy hockey league is I hope he gets traded to a better team than Buffalo. But yeah, that's so that's the only notes I have for the NHL. If you have any other things that you want to talk about, but no, let's do uh, let's talk some hoops. Talk some hoops. So there's all I haven't talked NBA since I did my preview show um, a couple episodes ago. So I can quickly run through the all this first round series are finished, I believe. Yep. And um, quickly run through them. Denver, Portland. Denver took care of Portland in six. Yeah. If I'm uh, not mistaken. Yep, I don't have the. I don't have the games uh, in front of me. I just have the matchup. So forgive me if I get one, uh, a couple wrong, but that's why I got you on to. Yeah, no, no, they they took care of him in six. The uh, the crazy game was game five, when Portland Port- or, Portland uh, lost Damian in double Lillard. overtime. But Lillard Lillard just was yeah. unconscious, and yeah. buzzer beater to send it into overtime. Buzzer beater three to send it. Both buzzer beater threes to send it into double overtime. Just. Like, remember NBA Street where the guy is on fire? That's what he was. Yeah. And they still couldn't win. And it just kind of sums up him and Portland. not him. It, it's, it sums up his Portland era where they just can't put the pieces around him. And, yeah. you know, now you have to wonder what his future is there. But that was a pretty exciting series. And you have to feel for Lillard. Yeah, two things on that. Jokic proved that he's the MVP this year because he was putting up 40 spots or 35 plus spots. With- he's so good. Yeah, he was distributing well, and he was—he's you're the MVP if you take care of a series in six games without your second best player, especially right. against a player like Dame. But I was watching that game five, and every time Dame Lillard was putting up a shot, I was like, "There's no way," and they would just go, and I'm like, "You gotta be kidding me!" And then he would put up another. I'm like, "Are you serious?" They were down by nine with 30 seconds left. I'm like, "Portland's probably gonna tie it." Yeah. Aaron Gordon misses two free throws. Lillard goes up and one back again, three pointer, just capitalizing on missed free throws. They were scoring points fast. And I was like, if Portland takes care of this, they better win the series or else Dame is fucking leaving. And there there are two guys who, who when he Lillard takes those shots, there are only two guys that I think that isn't a bad shot for. And that's Lillard and that's Curry. Yeah. The shots that they take are bad shots for everyone else on the planet. And those two guys, that's like, yeah, that's, that's what they do. They can get away that's just what they, and I'm talking Durant, Harden, you know, the whole, like those two guys are yeah. just, 
unbelievable to watch. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, Denver takes care of Portland in six games. Um, we'll quickly run through the rest, and then yep. we can pick what series we want to talk about. But the Suns, as a suspicious underdog, <laughs> as a two seed, take care of the Lakers in six games. Um, the Hawks take care of the Knicks in five games. I can see a tear rolling down Alex's face. It's okay, buddy. That was, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still not over that. Yeah, yeah. continue. The Nets take care of the Celtics in five games. I mean, I think this was a coming out party for Jason Tatum. He just he did everything he could. It was it was like a Dame series for Tatum, but I mean the big three in Brooklyn are just nothing can really top them right now. The Bucks sweep the Heat. Uh, the Jazz Grizzlies series is the one I never really paid much attention to. I don't know how that series finished. Did the Jazz take care of them in five? Because I know uh, Grizzlies stole game one, but I don't know how the rest of the series um, got taken care of. But in the meantime, the Clippers uh, advance over the Mavs in seven games. Luka, I, he was a talk. As much as you want to talk about Clippers advancing, I think the talking point was Luka. He played absolutely outstanding this series. And similar to – shut up, Siri. I don't want to talk. Um, similar to Tatum, this is one that he was already a superstar, but this even put him up another level in terms of players in the league. And then Philly takes care of Washington in five. So out of all of those, let's kind of start off with LeBron first, first ever first round exit for him. Um, thoughts on quick thoughts on the series and how, uh, how it all shaped out. I wasn't, I wasn't surprised by the Phoenix series, especially I thought Phoenix had a chance assuming AD was healthy. Um, yeah. And then AD wasn't healthy. And I thought that, you know, if you can look at it with just how the teams have played, Phoenix had a shot. And um, of course there's the LeBron factor, but you know, one guy can't do it entirely alone. And that Phoenix team is really, 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 really good. Um, and I think that series was more about Phoenix being good than the Lakers being bad. And AD just can't stay on the floor. So uh, that didn't surprise me. The, uh, the Nets-Boston series, that didn't surprise me. Uh, I mean, the Nets team is just loaded. You know, yeah. those, those two, those two uh, really, like – I, in my opinion, they, they shook out how how it, they were supposed to. And I know that's kind of an unpopular take with the Lakers, but if you watch the Suns play all year, they they looked like a better team than every time I watched the Lakers. A uh, quick note on that series. It's like I, th- I don't think enough people were talking just about how good the Suns were rather than the whole yes. storyline of LeBron being yes. eliminated. Devin Booker had 47 points, and he was 8 for 10 from 3. DeAndre Aiden was was shooting like eighty percent from the field by the end of the series, and Chris Paul, some, yeah, like it was just Phoenix played so well, yeah, and they really lived up to their regular season hype, and I could really see them going on a run throughout the like to the finals because they're they're really well built, and I mean everyone around Jay Crowder campaign. People were stepping up and producing, and it wasn't just the three-headed monsters and Paul, Booker, and Aiden, but the rest were doing their jobs as well. And the Lakers, they really had no other support, and even LeBron wasn't playing his way. And like you said, AD couldn't stay on the floor. Yeah, LeBron definitely not 100%. And AD, yeah. I, I feel like I rarely get to watch AD. Uh, he's yeah. just he's He's banged up a lot. Yeah, exactly. So next series, not much to talk about between Brooklyn and the Celtics, except, I mean, Tatum played really well, but I think the series went how it was supposed to go. I kind of expected. Yep. I th- I think the Celtics, they deserved one. I thought they were going to steal one. I think there was going to be one of those Tatum games, and there were. Uh, the Bucks heat, I mean, I think the heat Oof. were just exhausted, in my opinion, and the Bucks are – for real this year, I really think they could beat the Brooklyn Nets, despite them being down one zero. But 
Uh, Jazz Grizzlies, they did beat them in five, the Jazz. Um, what input do you have on this series? Because that's one I didn't necessarily pay too much attention to. Yeah, I mean, the Jazz, I, I think the Jazz are not being talked about enough. Um, they had a great regular season. Donovan Mitchell is is one of the mo- one of the most athletic guards I've seen in a really long time. Obviously, you, you have guys like Westbrook and stuff, but um, he's legit, and the Jazz are legit. And the only reason the Grizzlies really made it close at times was John Morant. Um, if you take out John Morant, who is quickly becoming unguardable um, because he's learning to shoot a little bit more from the outside, making defenses come out and play him a little bit tighter. And, you know, you're not going to stop Morant when he goes to the hole. So, you know, if you take out Morant, it, it really would have been not even close. But, uh, you know, the Jazz have been a great team all year. And it, just like the Suns, it wouldn't surprise me if they go on a run in the West too. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh... – a. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how they uh, play out. Uh, the yeah. Clippers, Mavs. Clippers finally, I guess they got over the first round hump last year, but I mean, I feel like they're kind of sneaky this year where they could like fight their way um, to conference finals or even come out of the West because it's not going to be pretty. Paul George, man, he's like so inconsistent in the playoffs. Kawhi's been doing majority of their work but clippers mavs not much to talk about besides it was basically leonard versus luca and ultimately the whole team of the clippers pulled together in game seven yeah so i'm i'm not a big clippers guy i think those guys are those guys think that their team is so much better than they are yeah. um and and Kawhi kind of bails them out and they do a lot of talking and, and really not much performing and i think they got lucky um because just like Kawhi bailed out the clippers um luca didn't really get very much help porzingis was nowhere to be found um you know hardaway did what he could finley smith did what he could but he just didn't have enough help and i think the clippers of course they came back so it's hard to say they got lucky but um because the clippers are obviously the more talented team um, but the Clippers, I think, are uh, – there's only one word to use for them, in my opinion, about how I feel. I think they're kind of a fraudulent team there. Yeah. I said it. So we'll no, see what happens in the yeah. next round. But I just I, – I think they do so much talking, and they, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't put up like they sh- their talent should say they do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I saw this funny comment regarding the Mavs and stuff, and it was about Chris Stapps. And it was like Chris Stapps is not seven three; he's five twenty seven. And I howled at that because he was Dude, so. I saw his quotes today. He was like, "We're not quote, quote, but there was a report that he feels like more of an afterthought than a superstar." Bro, you are the softest seven three dude I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, like, watching him get just bodied by you know six eight six nine uh, uh, Marcus Morris. Just he's soft. He's soft. Yeah. But you know, there's a reason. He was he's right. He was an afterthought, but like that's because he plays like a third option. You know, he's not yeah. he's not a one, a first option. He's not a set. He like he is a third option in my opinion. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's hard to put him. He's not a number two player on the team anymore. It's just no, it's not can't, and he can't anymore. say he can't stay healthy either. Yeah. Uh so we'll kind of quickly run through. I know we're running down on time uh here, but we'll quickly run through the Second round series. So the Phoenix Suns are playing the Denver Nuggets. The Hawks are currently up 1-0 on Philly. The Clippers will be playing the Jazz. And the Bucks are currently down 1-0 to the Nets. So uh, Nuggets, Suns, quick rundown on them. How do you think the series will play out? I see that one going seven. Um, I like the Suns. I like the yeah. Suns. I think they can attack from so many different ways. I'm going to say Suns in seven. I'll say Suns in six because I think their guards. Actually, seven and also seven is in Utah. I'm going to, I'm going to change mine to Suns in six too because I think if it goes seven, then it'll maybe be Utah. So I'm going yeah. to agree with you. Yeah, I think I think the Suns in six just because I think their guards match up better against Denver. So if Jamal Murray was in, then I really think mm-hmm. it's more competitive. But, I mean, I think Aiton – Jokic, I think that's going to be a good matchup there. 
I think Jokic will have the upper hand just because of his um, right. work that he can distribute to his teammates and stuff like that. But I don't know, Devin Booker, he looks unconscious right now, and I'm not trying to bet against him. So I'll say yeah. something six. Yeah, yeah, and and the Nuggets are, you know, I just really wish. And by the way, I just realized I said the Jazz last time because in my mind, yeah. those two teams are so <laughs> interchangeable. Um, I just wish Murray was healthy because yeah. it would be such a fun series. And he was having a good season too. But I mean, yeah. the way Austin Rivers and Michael Porter Jr. have been playing, they've been playing out of their minds right now. So I mean, anything can happen, right? But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Hawks and Philly. Trey Young's playing pretty well right now. It doesn't seem like Philly is an answer, but I, I expect a better performance out of them in game two, no? Yes. Um, I'm kind of a Sixers hater a little bit. I've, I've said for a couple of years that they're a regular season team because I think in the playoffs, kind of like hockey, you know, space is hard to come by. And, yeah. uh, you know, you need in basketball, you need to have guys who can stretch the floor and shoot from outside. And when your second best player, the guy who holds – you know, holds the ball, can't score, you know, he, he can dunk and, you know, Simmons, you know, I put a video about this out recently and I got ripped for it, but I stand by it that, you know, until he can shoot, I think they're kind of handcuffed. And yeah. um, I just watched Atlanta beat up on my Knicks team. You know, the Knicks have been getting dragged a little bit for that. The Hawks were that good. In my opinion, I, even before the Hawks won, I said that the Hawks, I think, are going to take care of Philly. Um, Philly, obviously, a great team, but, you know, we'll see if Embiid is healthy and and we'll see how Simmons does because, obviously, a great player, but you have to score if you're one of the two best players on your team. Yeah. Uh, who's your pick for the series? Atlanta. I'm going Atlanta. Atlanta? Yep. Yeah, I got I, I, I think Atlanta in seven. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to even say Atlanta in six. I, I re- right. and, and I think that Capella and, and some of the other guys could, could deal with Embiid uh, or at least manage him and you know, not let Embiid put the team on his back like he did for uh, so many games this year. All right. So uh, the Bucks versus Nets. I'm going to say the Nets, but we'll see what happens with Harden. I know he's out for game two, but if two of the three – of those big three in Brooklyn are healthy. I've got to go with Brooklyn. I have yeah. to. They're so good. Yeah. I, uh, you know what? I'm going to go Milwaukee. I think they can, Ooh. uh, I think they can steal a series from the nets. I think, uh, Milwaukee can take care of them in seven. They need to win game two though. Like it's a must have win in my opinion. Have they to have steal to steal one. one. Harden but, is out. Yeah. So I think, that can really help Drew Holiday and stuff because he's a pretty good lockdown defender. So if he can try and contain Curry at least, then who knows, man? I think they can. Uh, I think they can knock him off. But I, I think Middleton is the key because he yeah. needs to be a second option. I think Middleton is a, a. If the Bucks want to have any chance, Chris Middleton needs to play like yeah, a sidekick, which I don't think he really is. But I think in flashes he can definitely play like one, and they need yeah. him now. Uh, Clippers, Jazz. 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 Yeah, I'm gonna say too. I'm gonna say Jazz and five. Jazz and five. Jazz and five. I'll say. I told jazz you I'm, I'm a Clippers. Six. I'm a I'm yeah. a Clippers hater. Yeah. I'm absolutely a Clippers yeah. hater. I'll say Jazz and six, but I do think the Clippers. Yeah, it's like they're such a funny team to try and um, evaluate. It's just like and they have the they have the pieces, but it's like they. I mean, like, Pat Beverly is the biggest knucklehead in the entire NBA. He's the most embarrassing player I've ever seen in my life. But, I mean, like, he talks like he's, like, 7'8", and he's just, like, he gets bullied by players, and he just talks. He gets one – he fouls, like, so hard, and then he starts talking like he's the best defender in the league. It's like, They have this tough guy persona, and it's like, yeah. you haven't done you haven't done shit. The, yeah. the whole team, the kind of the whole team, like – you know, Paul George calls himself playoff P and, you know, Marcus Morris is obviously known to be a tough guy and, and Beverly. And it's just like, all right, you know, how about you guys win some games and, and then, and then you could do some, do your talking. Yeah, then. yeah exactly. Um, last couple of thoughts. Who is your finals pick and who wins, who wins it all? I, I, I really don't want to say Brooklyn, but 
it's hard to imagine them not winning if if they stay healthy. Um, but I'm going to go with Utah. Utah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Utah. I think that you know they do it on both sides of the floor. They're great at home. They're good on the road. They have some playoff experience. This is now a couple years for this core. I think Mitchell is legit. Rudy Gobert is obviously, you know, one of the best defensive players in the game. I like Utah. I, li- I like Utah. And I think um, it would just have to be if something happened, injuries happened to Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, I think in a se- if it was even Milwaukee and Utah, I like Utah. I'm going to go um, Phoenix Suns over Milwaukee. I think Ooh, Phoenix Suns. Spicy. Know. I, I like it though. I like it. The Phoenix Suns, man, they just they impressed me so much against the Lakers. And I mean, I don't see Devin Booker. He's said in an interview, he's like, "Yo, I've been I've been training for this. Like, I've been wanting this my entire life." And the addition of Chris Paul was huge. But I mean, he just needed that one player to just help him along the way. And Chris Paul, I think, is that piece. And I mean, Devin Booker is just he plays when he plays wild, and it's just like. All right, when Monty Williams is just like, yo, Booker, just, just do your thing. Chris Paul's here to kind of slow down tempo and whatever he needs to do. And when Devin Booker goes out and puts up a 50 spot, it's just like they've just been doing well. But I do think their other pieces need to play above average to help along the way. But I think they can take care of them. But I would, my, I would love to see that happen. Uh, me just, too you got to love the small market teams and, and like, especially in cities where, you know, they're the Phoenix isn't some yeah. sports hotbed. Um, yeah. I think that would be, I think that would be awesome if, if that happened. And let's also see if Chris Paul stays healthy because, you know, he's been dealing with that shoulder and uh, we'll see. I I'm, I'm pulling for them though. That'd be a great yeah. story. Oh yeah. Uh, your head coach. Thibodeau, he won 2021 Coach of the Year. Shout out to him. Uh, yeah, it was just announced during this recording. So wait, your boy, your boy Tibbs won Coach of the Year. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> so I gotta say, I because I, you said that, and I was like, wait, he did. Um, I thought he was gonna finish in second to Monty Williams in Phoenix. Um, but wow, that yeah, that's awesome. He deserves it. I mean, yeah, he didn't believe it. He did an unbelievable job, like just took a team with not that much talent. And of course, Randall was a huge part of it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pumped by that. And Randall won most improved players. So the Knicks are uh, doing well in the awards, except for the, uh, the team awards. We'll take it. In, in my opinion, they had to be the pick because their over under for wins was like 22 and a half or something like that. And they got, they got the four seed. So I think I hit the over, I hit the over. It, they had, I think Tibbs had to win that. Like it was just no doubt in my mind. But last thing, very very last thing before yeah. we end off uh, on this podcast, Alex, we do something called time for the press, where people send in questions to be answered on the podcast. And today, it's a one question, but kind of a three parter. Um, this one comes from reoccurring guest Brandon Goff. He was on the NHL preview episode, so go listen to that. And one of our best selling kickback or listen, kickback and relax episodes. Him and his brother came on to shoot the shit, talk about lacrosse stories. If you want a I good like laugh, that. Alex, go listen to that one. It's, uh, I'm it's check a good that one. Out. It's a good one. Uh, the Goff brothers. So he says, uh, it's an NHL question. The final two, who gets the con Smythe? And what player has been the biggest surprise? During the playoffs. Mm. Hey, did they uh, did they release the finalists for the Con Smythe? I believe well, they Con, did. Well, Con Smythe is um, the NHL MV, uh, playoffs MVP. When they oh, the, I'm the sorry, that's, a, that's the that's the playoffs MVP, right? Yeah. Um, they uh, named the Ted Lindsay, which finalist, which is McDavid, Crosby, and Matthews. They announced the Selkie finalists, which is Stone, Bergeron, and Barkov. I'm pretty sure this is eight straight times Bergeron's been named for the Selkie. I was gonna, absurd. I was thinking that too. Unbelievable, Basically, absolutely absurd. But yeah, they haven't. 
named anything for the heart yet, but I mean, yeah. But yeah, who's your pick? Your Stanley Cup final, your Conn Smythe winner, and what player has surprised you during these playoffs? So, um, so I, I have to look at the the bracket with the matchups, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Colorado. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna go with Vegas beating Colorado, and then Vegas winning it all this year. So I'm gonna say with Vegas, Vegas wins the cup in the final this year uh, over Tampa Bay, and I'm gonna say. Uh, Trying to think, I got a couple, a couple come to my mind, but with who's impressed me, uh, mm. you know, I, I'm, I, I'm going to actually go back to a conversation we said before because I think, and this was a conversation I was having with my dad earlier, actually, um, McKinnon, and of course you can't be impressed with McKinnon even more than you are because he's unbelievable, but. Um, the, the things he does to make his team, his team better and the dirty work he does um, and how he elevates everyone, you know, like you take a guy like Crosby and Crosby yeah. is top five of all time, you know, um, a legendary hall of fame player. Crosby doesn't, has never played that type of game that, that, uh, that, that McKinnon does. McDavid doesn't. OV and some, maybe when he was younger, he would mix it up a little bit more, but McKinnon has really impressed me with, with the way he's played. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, it's tough for me to watch West coast hockey when I'm on East coast time. And during the regular yeah. season, it's, so it's tough, a little bit, dude. so, so there's, you know, I only get a couple times a year except for the highlights to like actually lock in and watch what, you know, watch these guys on a regular basis. And it, he's just actually exceeded my expectations because he does things that other superstars do not do. And, and, you know, you think about Ovechkin until they won, they couldn't get over that hump. And it makes you think like, okay, if your best player is playing the way that a guy like McKinnon does, that changes everything. You know, they're obviously stacked, but you know, you need your best players playing like that. And then you look at like Toronto, you know, their best players. Yeah. You know, uh, we're not going to pick on Toronto, but uh, you know, it, it makes it makes a world of difference. Yeah, one goal between Matthews and Marner is definitely can't not have that. be swept under the rug. But can't have that. Yeah, I like that Vegas Tampa Bay Stanley Cup final. Like, it's so hard to pick between Vegas and Colorado because you don't know so which hard. way it's gonna. It's like you could look like an idiot or you can look like an absolute genius. Colorado could absolutely spank Vegas these next two games and move on, but then Vegas can also win 5-1 next two games, and then you look like an idiot for picking against them. But, yeah, I do think Vegas and Tampa, it's possible because um, Montreal is going to be playing, speaking they move on tonight, which I can totally see happening, but I think they will eventually beat the Jets. They will be playing Vegas or Colorado because they tied for first in the league and Montreal just squeaked in. So that's going to be a one versus four. so it's possible to see Tampa at the final. So I'm going to say Vegas beats Tampa in the final. I think Flurry is going to win the Conn Smythe because he's, whenever he's been in, Vegas has just gotten a little more pep in their step. But in terms of what player has been the biggest surprise, both are coming from Colorado for me. And Brandon Sad or Saad, however you want to say his name. Yeah. He has five goals these playoffs, and he's a guy who's – Chicago to Columbus, back to Chicago to Colorado. He's kind of been a little bit of a suitcase, but he's coming out these playoffs and he's scored in like four straight games or whatever. It's like he's been playing really well. And also Philip Grubauer because it's really nice to see him keeping up with his Vesna caliber regular season into the playoffs. So those are uh, my players that have kind of surprised me in a positive way. Yeah, Saad, you can't you can't just gloss over like playoff experience, and it just matters so much. And you take a yeah. guy like Saad, who was on so many of those great Chicago teams, and uh, you know you look at some other guys who maybe just wet in the beak with with playoff hockey, and it makes a huge difference, maybe more than any other sport. Oh yeah. 
Well, Alex, this was a hell of a time. I really appreciate you coming on. And this is an opportunity where you can plug some of your stuff, where people can find you and give you a follow. Hey, I had a great time coming on here. Uh, definitely, we'll have to do it again soon. Oh, 100%. You could, che- you, could, uh, you could check out my page at No Huddle Sports on TikTok and at No Huddle underscore sports on Instagram. Um, and that's where I just put most up-to-date stuff. And uh, if you're a sports fan of baseball, hockey, football, you know, we'll mix it up with a little golf, a little tennis. You know, we talk about it all, so. Check us, uh, check us out on there. Did you, uh, one quick thing, did you see Bryson uh, evicting players out of the Memorial Tournament because they were calling him Brooksy? Yeah, what a joke, huh? <laughs> the guy is what a such joke. a pigeon. A, oh, just like charming soft. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it wasn't like he, they were saying anything. They were just calling him Brooks. Brooksy. I mean, yeah. I like, I, I, I just... You can't be doing this after you're saying that you're living in Brooks's head rent free. You can't be kicking players out right. for calling. Like you just right. can't do that. <laughs> There's also the other age-old expression, and anyone who's played sports knows this. If you don't like a nickname, you can't say that you don't like a nickname because that's it's, just then you'll be called oh, it more and more. That's yeah, the you, number one. I mean, your parents you tell you that when down. you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> just an absolute. Yeah clown of a of a of a of a move to get these people kicked out for saying brooksy crazy it it's gonna if you if he thinks it's stopping here it is i want everyone chanting brooksy so they can't kick out everyone and you know going down the going down the fairway it's just yeah it's gonna be insane but you guys know where to follow me i put the tags at the beginning of the show um go listen uh intro outro music is savage by tom ivory featuring six man go listen to their mixtapes on anywhere you get your music they're absolute beauties and they're putting out new content so um be sure to check them out and be sure to leave a rating and review it really helps the show on apple podcasts and there will be a giveaway soon i just kind of have to figure out what it is but i will be announcing that pretty soon thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next time just gotta let go Went from ducking and fucking and now I got put in the friend zone There's no need for discussion, I just really loved how you get low But I'm dipping, I'm cutting the shorty and we're being ten toes, ten toes I, I, I just gotta let go, call me a Benzo, pay it all cash, I won't take no rent